In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you all today. This is the last Sunday in the church season called Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany, as the name might suggest, is a season of realization. It is a season of revealing who Jesus is as the Christ. Um, Each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not really John so much, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they begin with Jesus' birth, and then they build their case through the miracles and the teaching of Jesus. And then Peter confesses uh, that Jesus is the Christ. Remember, uh, Jesus asked them, uh, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And then... Jesus is transfigured. It's kind of the closing argument in the case that they have been making all along that Jesus is the Son of God. And everything after the transfiguration heads towards Jerusalem, heads towards the cross uh, and the empty tomb. And so, uh, in fact, it is because the transfiguration is the closing argument in the declaration that Jesus is the Son of God that every year, on the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany, then we always look at this transfiguration. Uh, And Jesus, if you remember, the transfiguration is is this strange, wonderful story. Jesus is shining radiantly on top of the mountain. Today, we're going to, as we look at this, we're also going to get some help from the passage that Bunny read from uh, 2 Corinthians, St. Paul. This Epiphany season, if you've been with us, we have been looking at uh, discipleship. Each of the sermons have been very intentionally and specifically focusing on uh, how we follow this Son of God. How we respond to His grace. We began in early January saying that uh, discipleship should not be seen as a burden, uh, as a command, uh, it, is a, it is a grace. It is an invitation from Jesus to come and grow in Him. And uh, discipleship is the result of the work, the saving work that He has already done uh, for us. And yet the thing about discipleship is that it implies change, right? It expects change. And we have sort of a sort of a conflicted relationship with change. I mean, there may be, for each of us, there's going to be some things about us, uh, ourselves, that we want to change. In fact, there's many billion-dollar industries that are committed to giving you what you want to help yourself change. But the minute someone else comes in and says, hey, you need to change, what do we do? We dig in our heels, right? Who are you to tell me that I need uh, to change? Um, there's a great New Yorker cartoon I love, and, and it's this husband leaning over this elegant uh, restaurant table, dining room table, and he says to his wife, look, I can't pretend, no, I'm sorry, I messed it up, doggone it, <laughs> amen, no, um, he's, look, I can't promise that I'll change, but I can promise that I'll pretend to change, so, yeah, uh-huh. all right, that would have been better if I hadn't messed it up. 
But it's one I can relate to, uh, for sure. We have a, a conflicted relationship with change, and this is no different uh, than uh, when it comes to our uh, Christian discipleship. When I was about 15 years old, a series of events, uh, my faith ceased to become the faith of my parents, and it really became my own faith. Uh, and I, but I've been thinking this week as we're talking about change, as we're talking about uh, the transfiguration, I, I've been wondering if I showed a video of my life now to that kid, that 15-year-old baby Christian 29, 30 years ago, uh, I wonder what that kid would have thought about uh, where I am now. I mean, there's things about me that have changed in ways I, have, I would never ex- have expected. And there are things about me that I would have expected to change that really have not changed that much. Uh, I never, uh, I think I never would have expected uh, to be called to be a priest, uh, to be your rector. Uh, But I think I would have expected that I would not still struggle with things like irritability or my language, um, things like that. If you are a follower of Christ, I wonder how it has changed you. I wonder if it has changed you in in the ways that you expected that it would when you first became a follower of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ and it hasn't really changed you, I wonder why not? The transfiguration is a majestic, wonderful, really wild story, strange. The disciples... Peter, James, and John are going with Jesus, and they would have thought nothing of going up on the mountain to pray with Jesus. They'd had lots of retreats like this before, but whoa, what would they have thought when Jesus, uh, when his appearance began to change, uh, when his face and even his clothing began to shine with this radiance, this brilliant, glorious light? Luke uses the word there, hetero. It's, you know, it's different. It's, it's, uh, his, his appearance is altered. It's changed. But Matthew and Mark, when they're talking about the transfiguration, they use a different word. They use the word metamorpho. So you can hear the word metamorphosis in there, right? It's, it's, they were, uh, Jesus was transfigured. He was changed in a way that was uh, glorious from one state to another. And you, from your own Bible reading uh, or church time, may, may, hear, may re- uh, recall that there is another story, a similar story maybe, uh, an event in Moses' life many centuries before this. Moses was up on a mountain. He was praying uh, for the rebellious people of Israel, and he was given this incredible privilege. Uh, he was given the chance to see just a glimpse of God's glory. And even with just that little bit, just to be in the, the presence of God as, as seeing it through a keyhole almost, uh, Moses' face shone. Uh, he, and he was, wasn't just that he didn't use a, he only used 15 SPF and he should have used 75 or whatever. He, he, like, he had been in the presence of God and his face was shining. His skin was literally glowing, reflecting the glory of the Lord such that when the people saw him, They were afraid. They made him put a veil over his face to hide this reflected glory. Do you remember that story? The difference 
with Jesus' transfiguration is that Jesus' glory wasn't a reflected glory. He produced the glory Himself. He is the source of the glory. Moses had been like the moon, which reflects the light of the sun. Jesus was Himself shining like the sun. Uh, He didn't reflect the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. And it seems on that mountain that just for a moment, just for a moment, the veil between this life and the next was lifted. Jesus essentially took off the mask. He shed his skin for just a moment. Moses and Elijah, from I mean, centuries past, stepped out from behind whatever this curtain was, stepped out of heaven and just to talk some things over with the Son of God. And what's amazing, I think, is that rather than run for their lives to get away from such glory, such holiness, Peter and James and John had the sense that this was the way life should be. This this was what they were meant for. There was this incredible sense of joy and and peace. And Peter just wants it to keep going. Hey, man, I'm just going to make you guys three tents, and we're just going to keep it going. You know, like I just, um, I think that is amazing. The thinness of this moment, the thinness between this life and the life to come, the nearness of the reality of the glory of God, they were wonderful. I mean, they were ecstatic. They didn't want it to end, they wanted the veil to stay. Now, I want you to just fix that scene in your mind. I mean, just whatever it looks like as you imagine that, just fix that in your mind. How does this apply to our discipleship? I mean, it teaches us who Jesus is, but what we are to do with it is a little harder. How how are we to follow Jesus because of this? So fix it in your mind. And against that glorious backdrop, we want to turn our attention to 2 Corinthians. Um. Paul helps us understand how the transfiguration speaks to us as Jesus' disciples. And St. Paul tells us the veil is removed and we are being transformed. The veil is removed and we are being transformed. He writes, I think it's about in the middle of your uh, paragraph there in 2 Corinthians, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The veil is taken away. And he likens a a lack of faith to the veil that the people made Moses put in front of his face uh, that I mentioned earlier. In other words, there's a barrier between them and God. They can't see things the way that they really are. but But when one turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. What Paul is saying is that in Christ we have unhindered access to God unhindered access to God. Through our relationship with Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, we essentially have available to us in our lives the same thing that Peter and James and John had on that holy mountain that night. When we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, i got to tell you, I mean, I can't speak for you, but at least for me, uh, I don't always feel like I have unhindered access to God. You know, I, I mean, maybe I can understand that as a theological truth, but practically speaking, there's a lot of things that get in the way. 
I mean, there's, there's lots of time when my prayers feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling. That probably doesn't happen to you, but it, it happens to me uh, every now and then, which should have been funny. But uh, I, um, I want to say that I don't think that, that Paul is saying that life is hard. Gosh, I keep messing this up. I don't think Paul is saying that life is not hard. Uh, I don't think that Paul is uh, naive to the fact that faith is sometimes a struggle. I think what Paul is saying is that our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. Jesus has removed the veil by taking our sin upon himself on the cross. He wrapped himself up in the veil and took it to hell and left him there. And when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. See, God has forgiven us. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven whatever it is that you walked in here, that bag that you were carrying in your heart this morning. God has forgiven the things done, the things left undone, and thought, word, and deed uh, that have placed a barrier between us and God. God has removed it. The veil has been lifted. And Paul reminds us of this precisely because life does get hard. Things do get in the way. And so even in the face of adversity and worry and uncertainty and doubt and the sins we commit, we have such a hope and we are very bold, Paul says. See, our home address is with Christ and discipleship is constantly going home. The door is always open. The veil has been lifted. I love the fact. In fact, I love the fact that Peter wants to stay on the mountain. I have... um, made fun of Peter in other sermons on the transfiguration in the past. But, but I realize that what this says is that we can't get too close to Jesus. We can't get enough of Jesus. Uh, we want the veil to be lifted. I wonder if you've ever dipped your toe in a, a pool of water and felt, oh my gosh, that's so cold. Or you're staying an ankle deep and you just think, gosh, this is miserable. But if you finally have the courage to jump all the way in, oh, it may sting at first, but it's just so refreshing. And it's kind of like that with Jesus. I mean, you just get just enough of Jesus, he'll make you miserable. <laughs> you jump all the way in, it's the best thing ever, right? I mean, all those commands, everything, oh gosh. You, know, you, you give yourself all the way to Jesus and There's no turning back. We want the veil to be lifted. When one turns to the Lord, Paul says, the veil is removed. So the other thing that I want to point out, the veil is removed. The other thing is, uh, Paul says that we are being transformed. This is happening. What we miss in English when we read that, that we are being transformed, is that that word transformed in Greek is metamorpho. Paul's saying, we are being transfigured. Like Jesus, we're changed. Paul is not saying that we should all be walking around shining like the sun. If that happens to you, go see Trent. Um, (laughs) Or a doctor. But... um, What he is saying is that there's a change that comes with following Christ. Uh, there, and not just following him, but, but we see they're beholding him. 
beholding Christ, uh, keeping our eyes on Him, worshiping Him, adoring Him, being loved by Him, studying His Word, learning to interpret our lives through Him, learning to invite Him even to, into the most mundane aspects of our life. I had an interesting thing happen uh, this week and just a very mundane thing. Uh, our facilities manager, Bill McCabe, most, a lot of y'all know him, um, He'd been sick, and he needed to, uh, his golf cart um, that he uses, it was broken down, and he had to get it on a trailer to take it up there, and he had pushed it over, and he was just sweating, like, uh, like I mean, you know how it is when you exert yourself, but you've been sick, and he, he was a mess. And, um, and you know, he, he stopped, I, I was helping him, he stopped, he said, Lord, you know, if you know Bill, you know that's how we pray. So he said, Lord, you see us working down here. And it sure would be nice if you could help us get this uh, cart up on the, uh, on the trailer. So I'm just going to try turning it on and see what you can do. Y'all, that thing started right up. <laughs> and he drove it right on the trailer. I mean, just the most, you know, just the most mundane thing. But Paul says we all, with unveiled face, we're being transformed. We're transfigured into the image of God, uh, into the glory of Jesus. And that kid, 15, that 15-year-old kid 30 years ago, he used to think that Christian maturity was getting better and better and better so that we would be less and less and less in need of God's forgiveness and grace. This week, uh, my assistant, Elaine Allen, gave me a coffee mug, and it says, I love Jesus. But right, you may not be able to see that um, real, real small down here, it says, but I cuss a little. Um, I don't know why she gave me that. I, um, <laughs> I, I think that I am never, ever going to be less in need of God's forgiveness and mercy. And I think as a part of this maturity over these 30 years is figuring out that the glory of Jesus for you and for me looks a lot more like increasing conscious awareness of the, our need for the forgiveness of our sins. An acknowledgement that he has done so. It looks a lot more like increasing conscious dependence on God's provision. And it looks a lot more like increasing conscious awareness that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, even in the most mundane details. And perhaps... The fruit of that over the long haul may be that we increase in our love for God and we increase in our love for our neighbor and we may even have some glad moral submission to biblical doctrines. Eugene Peterson, an author that some of you know, uh, said that discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. Just say it like this. Long obedience in the same direction. That's discipleship. It's not putting all the stuff in a basket. I went to this class. I did this Bible study. That stuff just weighs you down. It's lining it all up. Obedience and long obedience in the same direction. And change, if, there will be change. We expect change. But it's seen in retrospect. It's seen, ch Christian change is seen in the rearview mirror. Because it's not about what we do for him, it's about what he has done for us and how that works itself out in our life. 
you may have noticed that several families uh, processed in behind the choir today. It's because the children are going to be taking their first communion. Now, it's sort of a symbolic first communion. A lot of them have taken the bread and the wine uh, before. But what they're saying is that I am placing myself in that trajectory. I'm moving myself heavenward. And my parents are going to help me with that. (laughs) And I'm going to hold them accountable. (laughs) (laughs) May we realize again and again, may we have an epiphany after epiphany over and over in every aspect of our lives that Jesus Christ is Lord. And may it change us into his image. The veil has been removed. Thanks be to God. Amen.